Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title today is Happy Are the Hungry. Happy Are the Hungry, Matthew 5, 6. And speaking of hungry... Okay. <laughs> Speaking of hungry, this is um, this is almost Thanksgiving time. We have a lunch too. Thanksgiving, and whenever it gets close to Thanksgiving, I always remember growing up on the farm because there's nothing like a Thanksgiving on the farm. It's it's very different, very very different than than the typical Thanksgiving we probably experience. I remember my mom would get up very early in the morning, like four or five o'clock, and the the, the stove was right below our room, so we'd hear this bang bang clang clang about four or five in the morning, and then it would get quiet, and we knew what was happening. Mom was putting in the thirty thirty five pound turkey, whatever size it was, some giant bird, and uh, and then then we would wake up around six o'clock seven o'clock to go out and do chores. And already the smell of turkey was coming up the steps, you know, just this really good smell. And, and I was already, we were already getting hungry at 6 or 7 in the morning when we were getting ready to go out. My dad was already out in the barn, but we got up a little later. It just smelled so good. And then we'd go out to do the chores and feed the cows. And we're feeding all the animals, getting hungrier all the time, you know, watching them have their Thanksgiving food. And... Uh, uh, then around 10 o'clock, we'd come back, we'd get into the house around 10, we'd come in early on Thanksgiving Day, and, and as, soon as, you op- as soon as you got near the house, you could smell the turkey. I mean, it's just been cooking for all these hours. You open the door, and, and you didn't smell any barn smell. You just, all you could smell was, you know, turkey smell. You know, it was like, it smelled so good. And we'd go in, and, and uh, we'd be, like, smelling all this, and then they're also they're starting to cook the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and all kinds of other dishes that... Uh, are out of style now, all the old dishes. Some of you might remember the different things that we used to have for Thanksgiving in the old days. And then around 11 o'clock, the turkey was done. 11 o'clock. And I, we, by then, we were so hungry. My mom would get it out, and we would just sneak over there and start picking at it. You know, here's a little stuffing, here's a little turkey. You know, start going after it. And my mom would, like, chase us off, you know, get out, get out of here, get out of here. So we'd have to go eat the pickles or whatever was there. And, and then around noon, it was, we were ready to eat. Now, I know what all you think. What, around here, most people are just getting up at noon on Thanksgiving Day. And, and, uh, and, and I still have trouble with that because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to eat my Thanksgiving turkey at noon. But, but we were so hungry by noon. I mean, we were, we were like, you know, smelling it for hours and hours and just ready to, to go after this, this turkey. We'd be so hungry. We'd eat everything, you know, just really go after it, right? We really pounded it on the farm. You eat a lot of... I, even on, off the farm, I still eat a lot of Thanksgiving food. But, but then we'd play the games, Uno and all those kind of games. We'd take a long nap. We'd uh, get up again, and then we'd have to get up from our nap and have to go back out to the barn to do more chores. You know, we have to go out, and we go back out and do our chores. And the whole time we're getting hungry again because now it's like 7 o'clock, and we haven't eaten since noon. And, and we got in, and it was leftover time. That's one thing I do miss because, you know, this one thing I miss is having the leftovers. We used to eat Thanksgiving twice, you know, the first meal at 12 and then 7 o'clock. We got to eat it all again, and we had these little brown serve rolls and make little sandwiches out of everything. It was, like, so much fun, right? Um, I know some of you are probably getting pretty hungry right now, aren't you? <laughs> you're thinking, what did I bring for this? Uh, what did I bring? And, and you're getting pretty hungry because uh, we have this fellowship lunch coming up in <clears throat> That's a hunger, what you're experiencing now, and by about, when we get done here, about 1 o'clock, no, I'm kidding, we'll be done before what? scaring some of the visitors. So uh, when we get done, you're going to be extra hungry, right? And, and, the, and that's, 
that's the hunger that we should have spiritually, is what we're going to see today. That's what Jesus is going to be talking about today. Now, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you haven't been here, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been talking about the Beatitudes, and there's the steps to true happiness. Now, we talk about happiness, and we're not talking about the fluffy happiness that we, the world talks about, where it's an emotional response based on external circumstances. When Jesus talks about happy or blessed, he's talking about a deep supernatural joy that isn't touched by outward circumstances. It's something that we have internally, and and we can have it no matter what we're going through. And a lot of us are going through a lot, aren't we? No matter what we're going through, we can still have this blessed supernatural joy that he's talking about. And there's steps to, to achieving this spiritual joy that, that Jesus talks about. And, and really, each one builds on the next. We talked about, first of all, blessed are the poor. Happy are the poor. Blessed are the poor. And he's talking about being poor in spirit, realizing that, that we need God. And then he goes on to mourning. Mourning, not, not just because we're sad or crying, but we're actually mourning because the sin in our life and, and the, the rebellion in our life has separated us from that right relationship with God. And then it goes on to meekness. Blessed are the meek. Not being wimpy. We talked about all that. Get the CD. Listen on the podcast. It's not talking about wimpiness. It's talking about having super spiritual strength because we're depending on God and, and, and needing him to, to get our relationship. We know we can't have a relationship with God by earning it, by being religious or following rules or going to church. None of that matters. What matters is, is, is our relationship, a faith relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We talked about all those things. And now we come to hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is really hungering and thirsting for a right relationship with God. And this is the next step to true happiness, to that supernatural joy we've been talking about. Now, the world says just the opposite on all these things, right? Each of these steps we've taken, we're taking steps upward to, to supernatural joy. The world's taking downward steps because they say just the opposite. And even here, it's just the opposite. Instead of hungry, happy are the hungry, it's happy are the full, right? That's what you have to achieve if you want to be happy. Happy are the full. Uh, full of food, stuffing our face. Full of self, uh, self-satisfied. Full of just slouching toward a a meaningless existence is what the world teaches. But Jesus teaches something that we need to have a supernatural hunger to achieve the the supernatural joy he's talking about. Let's see what Jesus says will bring us this real joy. And before I read that, let me just pray. Father, we thank you for the worship this morning and, and for the our, the teen team and just the way they blessed us by leading us into your presence this morning. And now we just pray that your word would speak to us. You know why each one of us is here. Your, your spirit has a purpose for drawing us here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, changing our hearts, transforming our lives. I pray that we would find true fulfillment in you. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the verse. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed, once again, we talk about the happiness, the true happiness, but hunger and thirst. And Jesus uses something that everybody can relate to. Who hasn't been hungry and thirsty, right? Who isn't hungry and thirsty all the time? He uses something that that everyone can relate to, the bodily needs that must be met. If we're going to stay alive, right? And the same thing spiritually. These are spiritual needs that must be met if we're going to have a spiritual life. 
Okay? And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what he's really talking about is those who want a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God. And we get this, and we keep it by living a righteous life. A righteous life. A life that, that live, we live according to God's will, which is known by God's word. That's what he's talking about, a right relationship with God by living a righteous life, living the right way according to God's word, according to his will for our life. And this is how we have it. Now, there's two levels. Now, here, there's two levels of this hunger for righteousness. Two different levels. The first one is pre-faith. The first one is pre-faith. That's when we're first starting to be drawn to a relationship with God and through his son Jesus Christ, it's when we're seeking. Some of you here might be seekers, just kind of seeking, just knowing there's more out there and feeling drawn to something more with God. We don't, maybe, maybe you don't even know much about God yet or don't know much about Jesus yet. But, but you know, a lot of us remember when we were in that place, we were seeking, we were feeling drawn toward God. And we, we started to have that, that hunger. There, there has to be more to this life. And, and there has to be more to this emptiness that I'm feeling. There's, I have to... There, I have to be here for a reason, and, and there must be somebody who made me and, and, and wants something more for my life. We just have that, that hunger, that spiritual hunger, right? And in, in the Old Testament, when it uses the word righteousness, it often uses the word salvation at the same time. Salvation, righteousness, interchangeably, because they're connected very closely. Salvation means we get the word saved from, and what we're saved from is God's judgment, and we get God's mercy instead. That's what, whenever you hear somebody say, I've been saved, they just mean that they've passed from life, from, I'm from, sorry, passed from death into life by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And when you talk about salvation and righteousness in the Old Testament and also pre-faith, we're talking about our position before God. Our position before God. Now, what's our position before God before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10. I think it's right behind me. There is, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There's no one righteous. Not even one. Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Do I have that one? I just want 23 there. Okay, well, anyway, for all of sin falls short of God's glory. Every one of us, before we come to Christ, we have been separated from God because of our sin, because of the wrong we've done, because of our rebellion. And, and God is a holy God. We've all fallen short of God's glory. He can't have any sin in his presence. Nothing in his presence. But that's our position before Jesus. But then in, in Romans 3.21 and 22 it says, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. The position we have before we come to Christ is total separation from God. We're facing judgment. But God has supplied a different righteousness, and we can have that by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ came down, the Son of God came down, and lived a righteous life. He never broke the law. He lived a perfect life. This God-man, the Son of God, lived a perfect life. And then he took our place on the cross. Someone had to pay for the sin. Only someone who never broke the law could break it. No, I'm sorry, only someone who never broke the law could take the punishment. We all deserve 
jail sentences. We all deserve death sentences spiritually. But God, Jesus came and, and never broke the law, and he can be our substitute. He can take our place, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. He died in our place so that if we will put our faith in him, we can be forgiven. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we say, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin because of the wrong that I've done, when we, when we put our faith in him and say, I put my faith in him, I trust in him, I give my life to him. When we take that step, we are forgiven for everything we've ever done or ever will do. And when God then looks at us, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when he looks at us, he doesn't see the sin anymore that he used to see. He doesn't see the filth and the garbage and think of all the things we've done and thought or will do and think. He doesn't see it. All he sees is his son, Jesus Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ on us. He sees us under the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that's our position. We have our position before God is we are under Christ in God's sight. He doesn't see any of that anymore because we've been forgiven. It's been wiped away. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who desire and find this right relationship with God through me, through faith. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, this hunger for righteousness doesn't end with salvation. I pray that everybody here has that salvation or, or finds it very quickly, very soon. I hope you all find it. It's, it's free to everybody here. But the hunger for righteousness doesn't end with salvation because when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness, there, there's, there's also a hunger that is post-salvation that he's referring to, too. It's after salvation. It's post-faith. And because for a Christian, once we put our faith in Christ, spiritual hunger is not a one-time event. After you eat your big Thanksgiving meal on Thursday, what happens the rest of the week? I don't need to eat. I've already had that big special meal. No, I bet the next day you'll be having leftovers, and when those run out, you'll be finding other things to eat. You know, we have to keep eating to live. And spiritually, it's the same thing. We have to keep seeking we have to keep seeking this right relationship with God. It's not a one-time thing. We need to do it every day. But now it's not about salvation anymore because we're already saved. It's about sanctification. It, that sanctification means to be set aside. It means to become more holy like Jesus is. It means to let him transform our life. It's, we're not just saved so we can go to heaven. We're, 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 saved, we're saved so we can turn away from sin and repent of that sin and live a brand new life according to his Word, whatever it says. That, so it's not about salvation, it's about sanctification. It's not a one-time event, where, just like salvation is a one-time event. This is a daily experience, hungering for God. It's not our position anymore, because we're already under Jesus Christ. It's progressive. It's a progressive growth experience that we have. When we, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible promises that God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. To live in us. And when that happens, all of a sudden we, and if you've done it, you know what I'm talking about, all of a sudden there's this new, brand new conscience. Conscience that, that we used to be able to do things that we can't do anymore. And we're under this conviction. And, and, and we, we know when we're doing something that goes against God's word. And, and we're reminded to, that he wants us to live differently. And we're given strength to, to, to stand up against the old temptations and all the old garbage. And the Holy Spirit comes in. And now we have a desire for Jesus Christ instead of the world's junk food. Now, that junk food's still attractive, but our strongest desire is for Jesus Christ. It, it's like when you're growing up. When you're growing up and, you, you know, remember, remember back when you were a kid, 
you wanted junk food all the time, right? You know, certain fast foods were very attractive, and you just couldn't, you just loved it, stopping and getting that fast food. Parents called it junk food, right? Uh, but now if you stop and eat that same food, odds are you're going to get a stomachache, you know? I mean, you hit that 40 and the 50 and beyond, and, and you can't eat that stuff anymore. And I'll, sometimes I'll eat, I'll, we'll stop somewhere and I'll eat something with the kids. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And I'll be like sick to my stomach. I'm like, did I really used to eat that all the time or enjoy that? How could I do it? You know, what was, what was my stomach made out of? Iron, you know? You know but, but that's the same thing spiritually. Once we become a Christian, the things that we used to eat don't bring us the same enjoyment. At first, it could be a real temporary thing, but in the long run, they just make us sick. They make us unhappy. They make us unhealthy, right? And, and because we've had the real food, we've had Jesus Christ, and once we start to taste Christ, and once we start to taste his word, it, we want that more and more, especially as we're in close relationship with him. We want it more and more. It's like Thanksgiving. When you go to Thanksgiving and you go through the, the, the first time and you pick everything out, but what do you do the second time? What you really liked, right? You know, you, you know oh, I really like this and I really like that. The second plate, third plate, I'm kidding. No, stop it too, stop it too. But, but you, the, uh, you know, we just, that you go for what really you loved and that's what you put on the plate the second time to just kind of fill in those cracks, right? And uh, that's what you do. And the same thing spiritually, we, what, what do we want more of? And, and think in terms of once we, once we really start this relationship with Christ, it just makes us want more of him and more of him. And as we stay close to him, we want more and more of him. We don't get calloused and we don't get into the world. We want more and more of him. There's certain foods teenagers love, you know, the teen band. Uh, you got to have a Wawa, you know, or KFC. Every time I go near KFC, one of my kids are like, KFC, you know, I'm not going to pick on him, but he likes baseball. But, uh, or Taco Bell, or, you know, there's they, they certain foods that they just, you can name it, your whole family, everybody has their thing, right? But if we, that's the hunger we should have spiritually, and if we have this hunger spiritually, Jesus said, you will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And the word, obviously, is talking about something a lot deeper. It's talking about fulfilled. He's talking about you will be fulfilled spiritually. At salvation, we're fulfilled because now we have peace with God. And after we have already become a Christian, we should have daily peace. No matter what we're facing, that daily peace, that, that deep blessedness, that deep supernatural happiness that he's talking about. And only a right relationship with Jesus Christ can truly make us happy, can truly fulfill us. Only that right relationship can do it. It's the, on, it's the only thing. Now, the op, let's just think of the opposite. The opposite of this right relationship with God, the opposite of righteousness is sin. And that's kind of a pull, right? Do we want the right relationship with God, or are we drawn to sin and turn to things that God said don't do? Not because he's trying to spoil our fun, but he knows it's going to give us a stomachache. It's going to make us miserable, right? And when sin is living outside of God's will, that's what it is. It's God knows what, how we can have the ultimate life, what, how we're going to achieve the supernatural happiness, and that's what he wants for us. But when we turn the other way, and we disobey him, that's sin, and that's what hurts us. Not, does it, not only does it separate us from a relationship with God, but it also destroys us. God doesn't say don't do X, Y, and Z because he wants to, to not have any fun. He knows it's not really fun. He knows it's a lie, and that's what sin is. It can never fulfill. In fact, I saw a good arithmetic equation here I kept. It said, sin adds to your troubles, subtracts from your energy, 
multiplies your difficulties and will divide your interest in his work and its wages is death. That's what sin does. That's, and those who've been around long enough living in it know what I'm talking about. You know, we, we, it, it, there's nothing good comes of it. It will never fulfill us. Sin will never fulfill us. It will it'll give temporary relief, right? Whatever we're struggling with, it will give a temporary relief, but it will never bring us true happiness. First of all, it'll bring us away from God. It pulls us away from God. And I don't know about you, if you've been a Christian, if you're a Christian or you've been a Christian a while, the further I get away from God, the more miserable I get. And it only takes a day. It only takes a minute. It's just miserable. But also, it never delivers. Sin never delivers what it promises. Sin promises thrills, but it really kills. It promises thrills, but it really kills. It never delivers. I came across, I saved this from a while back, about cocaine. This was from years ago now. Talking about what cocaine does to people. And, and I, I saved it because it was a perfect illustration of what all sin does to us. Listen to this. Just listen to this and think of the parallels to the sin struggles that we have in our life, the temptations, the things that have been destructive to us. It says here, cocaine fools your brain. When you first use it, you may, may feel more alert, more confident, more sociable, more in control of your life. In reality, of course, nothing has changed, but to your brain, the feeling seems real. Then it says, from euphoria, you want to experience it again, so you do some more coke. Once more, you like the effects. It's very clean high. It doesn't not really feel like you're drugged. Only this time, you notice you don't feel so good when you come down. You're confused, edgy, anxious, even depressed. Fortunately, that's easy to fix, at least for the next 20 minutes or so. All it takes is another few lines or a few more hits on the pipe. You're discovering one of the things that makes cocaine so dangerous it compels you to keep on using it. Given unlimited access, laboratory monkeys take cocaine until they have seizures and die. And I know Jim, you could give us a lot of lessons on this. It's, uh, he, he knows all about this here with all of his work there. If you keep experimenting with cocaine, quite soon you may feel you need it just to function well to perform better at work, to cope with stress, to escape depression, just to have a good time at a party or a concert. Like speed, cocaine makes you talk a lot and sleep a little. You can't sit still. You have difficulty concentrating and remembering. You feel aggressive and suspicious toward people. You don't want to eat very much. You become uninterested in sex. So it goes from euphoria to paranoia. Compulsion is now definitely addiction, and there's worse to come. You stop caring how you look or how you feel. You become paranoid. You may feel people are persecuting you, and you may have an intense fear that police are waiting to arrest you. Not surprising, since cocaine is illegal. You may have hallucinations because coke heightens your senses. They may seem terrifyingly real. You might hear voices in your head or feel bugs are crawling on you. In fact, it's so common that the hallucination has a nickname, Coke Bugs. Especially if you've been smoking cocaine, you may become violent or feel suicidal. When Coke really gets you strung out, you may turn to other drugs to slow down, particularly downers like alcohol, tranquilizers, marijuana, and heroin. A speedball, heroin, and cocaine is what killed John Belushi. If you saw your doctor now and he didn't know you were using coke, he'd probably diagnose you as manic-depressive. Then it goes from euphoria to paranoia to psychosis. Literally, you're crazy. But you know what's truly frightening? 
Despite everything that's happening to you, even now you may still feel totally in control. That's the drug talking. Cocaine really does make you blind to reality. And with what's known about it today, you probably have to be something else to start using coke in the first place. Dumb. <laughs> so, but isn't that a picture of sin? Take coke out of the picture and put whatever it is. Alcohol, lust, gossip. I mean, eating, gluttony. You, you name anything that we struggle with. You could plug into that picture. And that's a picture of what sin does to us, isn't it? It promises us something and in the end it destroys us. It takes us away from God and takes, away, takes us away from close relationships with, with people that we love. And, and that's what sin does. Sin twists our minds so that right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. You, you, you see people in the, in the media who get caught in a certain sin. You know, there's a big one now with Penn State and everything. But that's just one. There's so many different ones going on. And you think, how could this politician or this pastor or this businessman or this mom or dad or whoever it is, how could they get to that place? Because that's what sin does to each one of us. We've all been those places, haven't we? You might be there today. That's what sin does. It twists our minds. And we can call black, white, and white, black. We can call right, wrong, and wrong, wrong, white. It, it twists us. It, it's, it's a lie. And that's what sin does. It destroys us. And that's why Jesus said, if you really want to be fulfilled, don't go against what I'm saying. Be hungry for it. Thirst for righteousness and a right relationship with me. Because you're only going to find reality and, and real happiness through a right relationship with me by staying close to me. That's the only way. What are we hungry for this morning? What are we hungry for? Are we hungry for the world's garbage or a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe here, Tane, you've never been saved. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Are you happy? Are you truly fulfilled? Because I know, we know, because we've, I've been there. We've all been there. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill us. Everything else is temporary. Only he can fulfill us. Do you have a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? And those of us who have put our faith in Christ, are we pursuing that right relationship? And this is the question I want to ask us. Are we feeding, what are we feeding? Are we feeding the flesh or feeding our faith? Everything that we do, put that through that filter. Is this going to feed my flesh or feed my faith? Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We reap what we sow. Whatever we feed is, there's going to be an effect of that. It's either going to be the flesh or it's going to be our faith. It's either going to be the sinful nature or it's going to be the spirit. And there's going to be a, an end result. One leads to life and one leads to death. Spiritual and physical leads to death. It's very important that we, we feed our faith. Big part of that is the word. Big part of that is prayer. I, I've heard a saying years ago, seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K. 
week. And it's true. What, what are we feeding? Could you imagine not eating for seven days? <laughs> well, imagine not hungering for God and feeding, you know, being close to them. And I want to encourage you, every time that we eat, thanks the lunch here in a few minutes, uh, Thanksgiving meal coming up, whenever we eat, ask, ask ourselves just to be a reminder. Am I hungry for Jesus Christ? Am I, am I hungering and thirsting for that right relationship with Jesus Christ today? Just a reminder. Every, we all eat. We eat a lot. You know, three times a day usually, right? Snacks for hobbits, you know, three breakfasts, you know. The whole thing is uh, if every time that we eat, every time that we feel hungry or thirsty, just kind of use it as a reminder. Am I hungering and thirsting for that right relationship with Jesus Christ? And then, as we're eating, remember this question. And, and not, not about just eating, but just to be a reminder. Am I, today, am I feeding my flesh or my faith? What am I feeding? Whatever we're doing, watch TV, movie, reading, talking to friends, whatever we're doing, is this feeding my flesh or my faith? I'm not talking about recreation, having fun. I'm talking about the things that maybe are not healthy for us spiritually. Is this feeding my flesh or feeding my faith? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, I want to encourage each person here to spend a few minutes with God, meditating and and talking to God, listening to Him. The first question I want us to really ask ourselves is, do I have a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have I ever put my faith in Jesus Christ? Have I ever given my life to him? And if we haven't taken that step of faith yet, you can do it right now. You can keep seeking. It's okay. You can keep coming, keep seeking, keep searching for God. That's great if you're on those steps. But if you're ready to take that step, there's no time limit. There's no ritual limit. There's no ritual you have to do. There's no religion, religious hoops you have to jump through. God wants a relationship with each one of us. He wants it so bad that John 3.16 says he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He wants that relationship with us right now. And we can have that by putting our faith in Jesus. Right where you're sitting, just a prayer, just pray a prayer from your heart to God's heart. From your mind to God's mind. Just, just pray. Just say, God, I, I want that right relationship with you. I want a close relationship with you, Father. I want you to be my Father. And I realize now that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have that relationship with you. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ. My trust, my hope, my faith in Jesus. I turn away from my old life, my, the sin in my life, the rebellion, the garbage. I repent of that and give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer to God this morning, then you are now under Jesus Christ. Your position is in Christ You're under the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been forgiven. 
You've been transformed in ways that you have no idea. You have the Holy Spirit in you now, and he's going to be speaking to you about everything in your life. It's, it's going to be wild. It's going to be an adventure. But it's going to be awesome in the long run. But I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with someone or felt the card in the bulletin there, stick it in the box, or email me or call, or just let somebody know so that we can be excited for you, and we will be, and can encourage you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ before today, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? What are, what are we craving this morning? Are we hungering and craving for the world's garbage? Have we gotten off track? Are we hungry for Jesus Christ? Will I feed my flesh or my faith every day? How is God speaking to us? Father, my prayer is that every one of us here would know what real life is like with you. That every one of us would put our faith in you and be saved. And every one of us would continue to get closer to you and have a closer right relationship with you so we can know the ultimate life that you want for us. We pray for your mercy and grace to accomplish this through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.